Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Derek. Hello. So, before we get started, we've got a few announcements. After this episode, Darren will be taking a temporary leave of absence from Pop Shield because he's having another kid, uh, Kid D, correct, Darren? Uh, that would be correct, yes. There you go. Um, he'll be back after a little while, but in the meantime, Dan and I will be cutting this podcast down to one episode a month. That's partly because the podcast just isn't as much fun without Darren, but also because Dan and I have launched a new side pod where we'll be working our way through Autekker's entire discography chronologically. It's called Gonkcast, an Autekker podcast. So make sure you subscribe if you love Autekker and or can't bear to go without hearing me and Dan talk for more than two weeks at a time. Again, it's called Gonkcast, an Autekker podcast. I'll put the link in the show notes. Definitely stay subscribed to Pop Shield, though, because we'll have a new episode once a month, like I said, and we'll be back to our regular schedule before you know it anyway. Now... On to, to today's topic, about two weeks ago, we received an email from Andy, who shared some of his own favorite Autumn albums. We'll get to that in the listener email section later in the show, and reminded us that Radiohead's Kid A is turning 20 tomorrow, actually, on October 2nd. Andy writes, with Kid A's 20th anniversary coming up, you might consider ranking its songs or dissecting its impact on electronic music influencing indie-slash-alternative rock. Thank you for writing, Andy. And remember, you too can email us with topic suggestions or anything else that's on your mind at popshieldpod at gmail.com. We definitely have a lot to talk about uh, in in regard to the legacy and the impact, as Andy suggested. But ranking every song on this all-time classic is no easy task, so we better get right into it. Real quick, though, what are you guys' personal histories with Radiohead's Kid A? Yeah, I mean, of course, a uh, big Radiohead fan. Um, always loved Kid A. Uh, I, I don't think I was ever as into Radiohead as as you, Gabe, and, and maybe not you, Darren. But you know, they've mm. they've always been like sort of a favorite. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll buy whatever box set they come out with. You know, I'll, I'll see them if they come to town. Um, Kid A, you know, when I was younger, was probably my my favorite Radiohead uh, record. Uh, I, oh. I, I, I don't think so anymore. But you know, at at a time, it definitely was. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've got a very long and storied history with you know Radiohead, Radiohead and Kid A. I mean, we've we've kind of talked about some of our personal favorite bands that had major influences on us, you know, like Nirvana. I mean, Radiohead, I think, has come up a lot of times just in ran, you know, throughout a lot of the discussions that we've had for a yeah. reason. Um, it was you know central to at least for me, like my you know music experience, like really getting into music and certainly a band that I felt like I was just extremely, extremely like attached to and and passionate about. And, and Kid A, of course, is like just an amazing record and had a, you know, a huge impact on me. Definitely one of those 10 out of 10s, you know, I don't give those out very often. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely one that had a, had a, a major impact. And then an album, I think we've talked about this too with Radiohead, that kind of comes back throughout my life in different phases and and just, you know, has different impacts throughout life and still an album that I can listen to. You know, I I think similar to Dan, I don't know if I would call it my personal favorite anymore just because of, you know, just uh, the amount of listening I think I've kind of done over the years, but uh, definitely Mm -hmm. one that, you know, it's always fun to, to come back to. Yeah, I mean, was there a time, Darren, when it was like your favorite Radiohead album, or was it never? Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Extent? I would definitely say throughout my you know high school, college years, Kid A may have mm. been like considered my favorite record of any band ever. Wow. Well, 
you know, I, um, yeah, like, like you, Darren, I mean, Radiohead became like my, my favorite band by far for a very long stretch of time. I was completely, absolutely obsessed. Maybe the more, more obsessed than I've ever been with any other band, you know, and like <laughs> sure. now that I'm older, yeah. I don't really do that anymore. Right. Um, Although doing an entire podcast about Odd Techers, they're going to—he never did that for Radiohead. Take, wow! Yeah, they're going to take the top spot on my last FM. That's, uh, that's for damn sure. Um, but you know, I did, um, of course, love this one. I wanted to ask you guys because basically, I—I um, I read. It's a little crazy, but I, I, I listened to the audiobook rather of this book that just came out by Stephen Hyden um, about Kid A. It's called "This Isn't Happening." Um, just in the last few days before this. Um, partly to prepare for this, but I wouldn't have finished it if it wasn't, you know, fun to listen to and interesting. Um, I'm not that dedicated to the podcast, but <laughs> he, he mentioned like not being able to remember exactly like his first experiences with Kid A, like as, as, you know, viscerally as with OK Computer or the Benz or something like that. And I was trying to think like, I, I feel like it, it's kind of the same for me. I don't remember like when it was happening for me and I wonder if it's because it's a slow burn kind of an album, you know, like nobody really gets knocked off their ass the first time they hear this. Is that your guys' experience? Or do you remember like the moment you first heard the opening notes to everything in its right place? No, I don't remember, you know, but really it's, it's like, like Darren said, you know, uh, for, this is like such a, a, a band, like, like we've talked about with like Nirvana and everything that's like, I don't know. It's like so, like almost uh, ingrained in my DNA now that I, I really can't yeah. remember the first time I heard Radiohead or, or anything. You know, like, but but yeah, I mean, Kid A specifically, n- not at all. I just it's just one of those sort of things. Like I don't remember not ever listening to it. You know, but yeah, I mean, I specifically remember like the first time I was listening to OK Computer and when Paranoid Android, when it's like that, you know, Johnny Greenwood comes in with like the, you know, you don't remember. I was like, holy <laughs> fucking shit. Like, I remember that moment. But Darren, do you have that same thing with Kid A? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think so, right? I think similar to what Dan is sort of describing, I feel like my brain just sort of rewrote the history on this and it was mm-hmm. like, no, you've always uh, loved this. It's always been a part of you, you know? Like, even in 2000 yeah. when it came out, it was there, <laughs> you know? I, yeah, uh, exactly. I don't really recall, but I, I do agree, like, like the bends and, like, OK Computer, I kind of, like, specifically remember falling in love with different parts of those of those albums around a certain time but like with kid a it just felt like you know it was just always there but maybe i I think you're probably right if i if i like tried to really think about it i don't think there was like a particular moment where at the moment you put on everything in its right place i was like whoa you know what i mean yeah 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 it's just weird weird to note but it it certainly did become one of my favorite albums of all time but i do feel like it, it took a little while to get there for me personally but Let's get into our rankings. Um, we're going to go songs number 10 through number one. And if you're confused about that, uh, because Spotify and all the other streaming services show 11 tracks, you know, that's because the last song, Motion Picture Soundtrack, used to be about seven minutes long on CD with a bunch of silence, like after Motion Picture Soundtrack. Then there's that little flowering of sounds as a hidden track, then a little bit more silence. But I guess they just decided to, like, you know, split that off because it doesn't really make sense in a digital format. But that's why we're doing 10 songs. You we're know, really, Motion Picture Soundtrack will be. We're really showing our age here, you know, Gabe. I mean, careful here, right? All the. I know. Just had to explain <laughs> hidden tracks on CDs. In, in CDs, yeah. I mean, come on. Jeez. Back in my day. <laughs> it, it's possible that uh, some of our listeners have no freaking idea about that, but that was a that was a thing. There were a lot of CDs with just weirdly a lot, long, a lot. <laughs> yeah. long stretches of silence. Um, 
Anyway, so we're just doing 10 tracks. We're going to start with Dan's number 10. But first, Darren, what are the odds you think that Dan is going to pull like an edgelord move and not put tree fingers <laughs> in number 10? I mean, I was more concerned about you, but I mean, hey, Dan's been <laughs> known wow. to, to pull some of those out too. I feel like it's going to be Dan, but let's see if we all have the same number 10. Dan, what is your number 10 track on Kid A? Yeah, go fuck yourself. It's Tree Fingers. <laughs> okay, okay. Mine too. Darren, you as well? Yes, yes. Okay. Maybe all the right. easiest so, pick uh, of all of these tracks. The only easy pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so why, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like you guys are basically saying, it, it is the only easy pick here. Uh, it's instrumental. It just basically uh, is ambience for for the you know you know this record sort of a you know concept kind of album and uh you know i i think it's just there to to build into that and uh build the world of the record and in 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 that regards i think it works well but you know if if the way i looked at this ranking was like if i could if i had to listen just one song at a time uh you know <laughs> right. the order i would feel like doing that and uh you know i'm never just throwing tree fingers on <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, why did you put it at number 10? Yeah, I mean, pretty much everything that Dan said, like when you're, if you're isolating each individual track and looking at it on its own, I mean, Tree Fingers just obviously pales in comparison to the others. Though, you know, looking at it, it's, you know, purpose on the overall album, like where it sits, you know, very much in the middle. Um, You know, I, I definitely think that it has a in it a very important role when you're listening to the entire album like it's not an it's not certainly not a an instrumental track that i would ever skip when i'm making my way through the album you know it, it mm-hmm. definitely uh, serves its purpose but you know s- sitting there by itself like if you just put it on repeat a couple times like come on you know compared to the other tracks this one was an easy one yeah well tell me more about what that that purpose is cuz dan was saying it's something about world building I was tempted to say it's something like a breather, like to catch your breath after how to disappear completely. But what what do you think its purpose is? Yeah, I mean, I just sort of feel like it, it kind of carries you, you know, it carries you through from like the first half of the record, gives you a bit of a like a break almost, you know what I mean? Just like, right. because how to disappear completely just hits you so freaking hard. You know what I mean? Like you were just, I think you're just yeah. a wreck at the end of that song and there's no way that you could just jump into like optimistic, like you need to mm-hmm. either transcend or just take a dang breather and you know, tree fingers <laughs> kind of like really works well for that. Yeah. It was funny to remember that I used to think it was like tough to get through, but for some reason, like now <laughs> I was like, it's really short. It's not yeah, a big deal. It's, it's actually like, yeah, yeah. It's pretty melodic, you know, for like, like an ambient track. They didn't like go full blown, you know, avant garde. It's like there's there's chords, you know. I mean, it just sounds like pretty distant and ambient. I mean, it's got like a. We know, for example, that um, Tom York was pretty like burnt out on rock music, the idea of rock music, and that he like bought a bunch of uh, the Warp Records catalog around this time. And this feels like, you know, when, when he heard Saw 2 by uh, Aphex Twin or something, he decided to make a little piece like that. And it's kind of similar in that it's got a, like kind of a pretty little melodic aspect to it, even though I do agree that it is a lot, uh, very much a breather. The question, though, is, you know, you think about where Kid A came from, that it was composed and recorded at the same time as Amnesiac, what ended up becoming... Uh, a second album released just eight months after this, which is crazy. Um, you know, and there's some great B-sides that didn't make it on either album. I mean, if you guys had the power, would you replace Tree Fingers with one of these 
other like gems or or would you not do that because tree fingers is so important to the overall experience no i think like darren said you know it, it's sort of like a breather from how to disappear completely you know you jumping right into you know optimistic or you know just another quote-unquote like regular song i think doesn't work you know in the cd era and then you know now the digital era and stuff you know we've talked about before like some some like older albums you you like you lose that pause of like having to flip over the record you know and and i think like something like tree fingers is like a great way to do that in the in the digital age you know like it's it's a it's a song of 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 a record flip um you know yeah it's a good point and actually funny because isn't the vinyl it's like two two ten inches or something it's not yeah it is on ten inches (laughs) they fucked it up they made this really nice effect (laughs) doesn't actually work yeah (laughs) um would you darren would you replace it absolutely not absolutely not and i mean i I absolutely love amnesiac i love a lot of those b-side tracks but i just there's no way that i i think there's anything that would that would work like i don't want to hear a song right Mm -hmm. that has like tom york singing on or anything i just i think it it you know it's a great intermission right if you look at it the album is like an act one or a two-act album or something it's a perfect little intermission uh between the two and i can't imagine anything else uh you know being that bridge in a way yeah yeah i think i agree and um i suppose we shouldn't spend any more time on tree fingers here's where the real fun <laughs> starts. Be a long I'm show very- wow <laughs> yeah i know yeah. <laughs> i'm very curious how similar our lists are going to be if this is going to turn into like a trump versus biden screaming match situation <laughs> or what but uh dan what is your number nine album on or song on kid a I just want to say, I always have to go first, so you make me look like the bad guy on these, on these records, it's you know, because, like, I'll say it now, none of these songs are bad, you know, so right. number nine, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad song, don't, don't email me, but I went, <laughs> I went number nine, um, I, I went Kid A. Me too, wow. Oh, wow, good, good. Not you, Darren? <laughs> uh, Kid A's number eight for me, so pretty close. Pretty close. Okay. okay. All right. All right. So we can have good, the combo. Good. good. What if? What if we're like just in step the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the reason I put it here is, you know, it, it's sort of a, almost another, um, you know, world build, building kind of track. It, it has lyrics, but they're mostly, uh, you know, obscured. It, it's kind of hard, harder than normal to understand what he's saying. You yeah. know, it, I, I think it works well in the record again, but. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's not a it's not a song I would ever want to just put on, uh, you know, on its own, much, much like Tree Fingers. Uh, you know, great song, just in a world building sense again, and which I think is you know such a great thing about this record. Like this is a you know a record, not not you know a collection of songs, uh, which makes ranking the songs really stupid. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I mean, why is it on the lower side for you, Darren? You know, I I just really love this song. You know, I feel like it's the perfect beginning to a story, and it's it's odd that mm-hmm. it you know obviously everything in a right in its right place sort of um, starts the album, but I feel like that song sort of sets a mood. You know, kind of sets the stage. Mm-hmm. It's in like a, way. a prelude, right? Yeah. Right, I exactly. Agree, yeah. And Kid Kid A is like you're you're in just chapter one, or you're really mm-hmm. getting into the story at this point, and. Um, I, I just, you know, I struggled, actually, it was struggling right away between nine and eight. Um, you know, it, they were kind of flipping, you know, and I, yeah. but, but Kid Age to me just, I just love that track. And I, I feel like when I talk about my number nine pick between the two, I feel like Kid A is one that I would feel more, you know, interested in just listening to on its own. Right. That's kind of how I looked at it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do love this song. I um I I like it was memorably used as one of the uh, credit songs on a Sopranos episode. I can't remember which one, but it, like the weirdest oh, yeah. pick, but it was kind mm-hmm. of kind of badass actually. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting because I agree with you, Darren. That does seem to kind of like start the story if there's a story here and we sure, can talk about sure. that more later, but you know, like the the little white lies thing kind of gets uh, repeated in uh, motion picture soundtrack later and stuff, which makes it feel like this is like the true beginning or something. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like this interesting kind of lullaby feel like a little music box feel, um, but a very like Aphex twin kind of melody, you know, that's the second time I brought him up here. Um, but yeah, very pretty, very, um, very, I don't know, challenging though. And I want to ask you guys, like, especially with the vocals, you know, I've, I read actually that he, he just like spoke the vocals into like a vocoder or something. And then Johnny uh. pitched them to be singing, which is why it sounds so alien and weird. You know, he like hmm. added melody after the fact, which is really, really interesting. But you know, when you think about kid a, I mean, especially the songs, I feel like it's, it's a, it's a tough song. And I just, and the fact that it's like so early in the album, you know, you think of all these like, okay, computer fans, it must've been like, what the fuck is this? Um, <laughs> is kid a like, Radiohead's in utero. Do you think of it like that? Like a provocation, like a fuck all you people that like want to listen to us. We're going to get rid of as many fans as possible. Kind of a move. Uh, maybe I, I feel like, you know, I, okay. Computer is a little bit that, you know, I mean, it's still a rock album, but you know, in utero is still a rock album. Um, you know, it, right. it, it wasn't like that big of a change. So, you know, like th- this record's, kind of so far from creep and you know lesser extents the bends i i i think i would call okay computer the in utero more than Ooh. this one but uh but like okay computer is like that's I know. the one that like broke them you know right, that's like their right. never mind i think and it's like was this a conscious effort like not quite on the level of like metal machine music but was this a conscious effort <laughs> to like shed the fans you know I don't know. I, I feel like almost any time people, you know, uh, assign that, it's almost like a defense mechanism because it wasn't received as well as, as they wanted or something. I feel right. like metal machine music is one of the you know few things that I think legitimately may have been a, a fuck <laughs> yeah, you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Darren? I mean, I kind of, th- I think it, I think it is, right? I think it is very much like an in utero record. Cause like, I mean, there's an alternate universe out there where, you know, Nirvana follows up with Nevermind with an even cleaner type of sound and, and goes poppier, right? And, and more like top 40s even. There's also, it seems like there could be an alternate universe where they take OK Computer and just kind of continue down that road of like guitar music, right? And, right, right. you know, I think they've kind of even talked about that being a possibility, even after like Creep and stuff, that that, that could have happened to them. They could have been like a Coldplay type of band or something, right? Right. right. And for them to steer in such a a drastically different direction, I gotta I gotta feel like they're clearly saying we we've gotta shed this image as, you know, you know, as yeah, dramatically yeah. as we can, you know? Yeah, I mean I think like, you know, the Stephen Hines book makes this pretty interesting point, which like I always kinda knew but never really, you know, thought of um concretely, is like you know, like OK Computer was a big, big sensation, definitely critically big sensation. Uh but you know, as as things are happening in real time, he's he's sort of arguing that it, it was kind of more like their next one is going to be the big one. Like they're going to mm. take over the world. You know what I mean? Kind of right. similar to like uh, 
we talked about Wowie Zowie, how it was like they already dropped two classics, but to most people, they didn't know Pavement, you know, and it just seemed like the next one was going to be the big one. Um, and it's interesting as hell, honestly, that like Radiohead was supposed to be Coldplay. Like yeah. they were going to be the next U2, like filling right. stadiums with these soaring anthems. And they chose not to. And what the fuck happened? Coldplay swooped right in <laughs> and took it. Like yep. that's supposed to be Radiohead's millions and millions right. of dollars and sex with Gwyneth Paltrow and all that other shit that happened to them. <laughs> the timeline no, was everything know? was lined up for them. To it do was. That, <laughs> it really was. And they just like chose to just like left turn the hell out of there. Um, so I don't know if it's like a direct challenge or like any kind of antagonistic relationship to their fans, like the way people talk about it in utero. But I think it's certainly like a we don't we have never heard Coldplay yet, but we don't want to be Coldplay. You know? <laughs> but but <laughs> let's say, let, let's be fair though. It's not like uh, Radiohead, you know, is just some becomes just some low key indie band. I I, right, I, sure. I saw Radiohead perform in the same place that Coldplay plays at when they come here. You <laughs> well, know, that's true. You know well, what I mean? True. And it was sold out too. <laughs> but I guarantee no you Gwyneth Coldplay Paltrow. Has, no, I guess <laughs> Coldplay. Coldplay for sure has made a shit ton more money than uh, Oh than yeah, radio. probably. I guarantee you that. Um but yeah, you're right. Um okay, so we are on to Darren's number 9 because Kid A was both Dan's and my number 9. So Darren, what is your number 9? Number 9 for me was in limbo. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. A bit higher for me. It's not much. It, I'll, I'll say it's number 7 for me. So we're it's it's pretty okay. close. I'll save my number, but we can talk about it. Yep. So, you know, I obviously love this song, too, um, but I sort of felt like it It felt like a, a song that I preferred listening to with the rest of the album. You know, like, I feel like the rest of the album really right, needs to right. be there and in order for me to, like, really enjoy this track. It, you know, it's a it's just kind of, it just has that feel of like a, you're you're leading up to something like idiotech for instance right um whereas kid a sort of sets the mood or not sets the mood but actually like starts the story and stuff all those things that we sort of just talked about but um yeah, yeah i obviously love this this track a whole lot but but just again taking it as on its own for me compared to some of the other tracks and stuff i just felt like mm, this is sort of something that similar to tree fingers has a very important place in the album, but kind of needs the, the album itself to have that impact that I'm looking for. Yeah. I'll say I was wildly inconsistent in making my list in the sense of like <laughs> pu punishing like tree fingers for not standing up on its own, but being unable to punish in limbo <laughs> yeah. because it is so fucking perfect after optimistic. Like yeah. that is yeah. like the greatest <laughs> one, two punch like ever. Yeah. Like I just, those back to back, I mean the transition <laughs> between them. And I was like, you know, I struggle with the same question, but I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's just, I'm just going to rank it like as if <laughs> just change I'm coming off optimistic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Dan? How, why did it end up? You said seven? Yeah, seven. Um, but yeah, but kind of for the same reasons as, as Darren said. You know, it, it, it's another one that's sort of like is a world building track. It, it, it's, I wouldn't really want to listen to it on its own too much. I, I do, I, I like it much more than Kid A or, or Tree Fingers or what I put at number eight. Um, but you know, it, it's not, it's not, a a, a track I would put on, uh, on its own. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll save a few just quick thoughts when I, when I get to it. Cause it's a, it's a little ways away. Um, so <laughs> no, we number are one, on, check it. <laughs> <laughs> 
we are on this is already i know fuck dan's (laughs) number eight my number eight yeah yeah um i'm thinking this might be the one that that maybe sets it off i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm I'm thinking so uh, too i'm i'm ready (laughs) yeah i'm like a little worried uh I, I went motion picture soundtrack. Me too. I can't <laughs> believe this shit. I was really worried. I thought I was going to get in trouble. Yeah, I was. I almost changed it because I, I was like, ah, they're, I'm going to get in trouble for that. One. <laughs> yeah. But I, I stuck with it. Yeah, it's just, you know, it, it's Tom at the piano, kind of, you know, the 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 real gorgeous, or something. you know, yeah. kind of thing. I, I love it, but I, I feel like it, it's the track that. I mean, it's a good ending here. You know, I, I think it ends the record right. very, very well. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's sort of the one that doesn't fit in as much. You know, it it's, doesn't have as much of the, the electronic or, right, or right. any of that. You know, it, it's this could be this could be on Amnesiac, you know, oh, and it wouldn't. Man. I'm not saying get rid of it, you know, from Kid A. I, I, I think it's, its place in Kid A is perfect. But if Kid A didn't exist, this track could be on Amnesiac or something. You know, it would feel out of place, like, oh, it's missing something else, you know. It's just, yeah. you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's like a beautiful track on an album that's not, like, known for its beauty. Yeah, it's, it's weirdly, like, very, very emotional. It's, it's, like, really gorgeous. Like, very, very moving to me. It is interesting i mean it it works because it's the last song but it is interesting how there are like no digital elements really on this at Mm -hmm. all it's like a in fact it's you know it feels deliberate it's like a consciously like kind of cranky organ you know like you can hear the kind of little mechanical aspects which makes it sound like you know ancient compared to the digital sounds that we get everywhere else um and harps of course are are not a digital instrument there's lots of harps there's like you know it sounds like maybe some kind of synthesizer or something but it's like it sounds like an angelic choir um from like an old movie you know what i mean like if somebody Mm -hmm. went to heaven you'd be like oh um (laughs) it sounds just like that and so i don't know it's absolutely beautiful i have nothing to complain about except that it's not like as fully developed as a song as a song you know as some of these other ones because it feels like it's meant to be the closer and again i was inconsistent and punished it for you know not standing as much on its own but um did you reveal what what placement you gave it gabe yeah number eight the same placement um and i you know i just um I don't know. I wonder, like, why, why do you guys think, how does this not sound cheesy? It's like an organ ballad with, like, harp arpeggios all over the place and, like, an angelic choir from a 50s movie. And that's it. Yeah, when you say it that way, it it, it, it sounds like it would be. But, I mean, it works. I, I think it's... I think it's a credit to like Tom York's uh he's he's got a good voice, you know. I I, I think he doesn't get right. enough credit for that. Um and he just can carry it. I mean, I, I think I think the band themselves are able to carry this because the rest of the record's not corny. They don't really have, you know, like they're they're not known for making corny kind of moves. So I think they I think it it's it, it can slip by, you know. You could stick one in there. It doesn't get too uh that stick out too much. Yeah. I mean, um is it are you gonna save the number, Darren, or is it nearby? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to save it. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right. We can uh we can disappointed maybe say a few words in about it later you then. both, actually. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um so your eight, Darren, was kid A, correct? Yes. So you and Dan and are, ta- we- are are exactly the same so far? We yeah, are exactly but we know, the same. Yeah, we know seven's not gonna be the same. Okay, okay. Yeah. So your seven, Dan was what? In limbo. 
Okay. All right. So we talked about that. So we're on to <laughs> this is fucking seven, or did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I've been keeping track because I know that this is going to get crazy. Uh, we, we've said Darren's 10, 8, and uh, that's it. So uh, I think, okay. yeah, I think we're on, uh, <laughs> I think we're on everyone's number seven now. All right, Darren, what is your number seven? Then? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling what you're feeling, Dan. You don't have any pressure now because you we already know your number seven. <laughs> yeah, All exactly. Right. My number seven was Morning Bell. Okay. All right. Now we got problems. <laughs> well, that's my number six. So, uh, oh, okay. so Jesus. pretty close. So, so why? Um, I mean, God, it, I, I don't know how to talk poorly about these tracks at this point. Uh, but, you know, right. I, God, I love this song. I really do. You know, I love the bass line a lot. Like one of my like just like favorite. I love the way the song ends with just like the bass going, you know, again. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it just becomes so sparse, like literally just a bass. You can hear him picking the the string on the bass guitar which is just so weird on this album that you just don't yeah. hear that type of stuff in such an organic way but i mean you know I, I think it's a it's a great track i just think there are better songs overall just you know you know i guess going song to song like head to head right i just think there are right, somewhat right. better songs but this is an excellent one i just uh god i don't know what else to say i just think there are better tracks I I do feel like it's hurt a little bit by the fact that it gets repeated on Amnesiac. I think to poor think so? effect. Like I don't you know why. It, you think it, it hurts this on one though? Yeah, because it's like I've heard it twice as much as any song here, and it's like <laughs> it's, I, it's not like I don't know. You like put how to disappear completely on both if you're going to put the same song on both. Like why this one? You know, but. I do think it's a fantastic song. I actually thought that I would have it like kind of higher because I feel like it's not a favorite. And I feel like the reason it's not a favorite is because we get two versions of it. But I think it's a it's an incredible song. It's, you know, it's kind of very like, you know, it reminds me of like Joy Division or something where it's like the the drums or like um, uh, Can or something where the drums are like a drum machine, you know, like mm. they're so perfect. Um, but you can tell they're live. And then, yeah, it's like kind of like a Rhodes uh, keyboard or something with like a real bass guitar there's like really no electronic elements in there but it's still got this kind of like cold sterile electronic feel um which i think is really really interesting i also really like that it's like the first time on the album i think that is genuinely pretty and then it can get like really really dark on a dime you know and it's just like suddenly everything cuts out and he's like cut the kids in half you know it's like fuck like how did that happen um <laughs> i think that's like it's like very hypnotizing kind of repetitive type yeah. song but yeah, yeah. with really wild shifts in mood that i think are like so so awesome um i, I Dan, think is it like too far to to say your number yeah yeah <laughs> I, we'll, we'll, we'll hold on to that one I, I do want to mention, you know, I think it's, I think we're going to end up doing this anyway, just talking about its placement on the, the record and kind of just right. how perfect I think it is sitting between Idiotech and the final track, you know, um, I can't really imagine it being anywhere else. I, I feel like it, it kind of, it's almost like it's closing out parts of the record that you've already been hearing, you know, to kind of set up what I feel like is motion picture soundtracks like kind of grand finale you know um yeah it's yeah. the last like very kid a the record sounding track before you get to like motion picture soundtrack so 
That's true. And I do feel like it kind of lifts, you know, I said because there's a little bit of prettiness here, it kind of like lifts us into territory that makes motion picture soundtrack work. That might be part sure. of the reason why sure. it's not corny or over the top. Um, probably wouldn't work without Morning Bell. Dan, is it like so far away you don't even want to share any thoughts here? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. This is going to be fun. Okay. I'll say, I'll, I'll say that uh, the, the stuff you said... It's kind of the reason I like it so much. So, <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but that yeah, that'll got, be it. That's a teaser. We got a what's his name, Jackie Lebowitz or whatever, uh, number one fan over <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so we'll move on to my number seven, which is optimistic. Ooh. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> okay, hmm. so okay, I don't know how to interpret that sound that Darren just made. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, I'm disappointed, but you know, here, here's, here's my thing with this, um, with this track, um, is that it's awesome. Obviously it's like the only, uh, arguably, but at least the first like song I would describe as a rock song mm-hmm. here on this album. Um, the most prominent guitar probably on the album. It's got like a very interesting arrangement because it's like this very like crunchy, you know, strummed guitar. There's like another guitar on the left channel that's like just pure crunch and it almost seems like out of time with the rest of the song, which like makes it kind of dizzying in a cool way. And you got a lot of tom work. And for parts, there's like no bass, which is really weird. And then even when the bass does come in, it's like very, very muted, like very quiet. It's got like just this weird like empty space in the middle or something. But I think my only issue is that um, it's I don't know. Doesn't it feel like kind of a dry run for There There, which is an infinitely better song? I, I can see that a little bit. Yeah, maybe. You think so, Darren? Um, I mean, I hadn't really ever thought about that, but I mean, there's definitely a great deal of similarities, but I wouldn't necessarily say There There is that much better than Optimistic. I mean, I, that's because <laughs> really? I hold Optimistic in very high regard, but... Really? And so I, I love there there and i i'm not saying that it there there is not better because i i do think it's better but you make it sound like it's a lot better. there there is like a top five radiohead song so, starting opinion. arguments like, about uh things that are not even on can we record. just can we just talk about Hill to the thief or is that where we're going <laughs> yeah now? right right well yeah so that, I, maybe that explains it because to me it's like a top five radiohead song they're there and so because this reminds me of you're it. But pun- you're punishing Optimistic for a song that wasn't even, like, released at this time. It's true. <laughs> probably, probably it would have been, like, number one in 2000, but now it's uh, it's fallen. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. But, I mean, it, it's still pretty awesome, and it is cool to get that little kick. Um, is it nearby for you, Dan? Yeah, it, it's nearby. I'll say it. It's number five. Uh, we'll just make this mm. incredibly hard to keep track of. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's number five for me, uh, pretty pretty much for, for kind of the things you said, you know, it, I mean, it's a great song, it's the first kind of like, you know, rocker on the on the yeah. album, yeah. and, I, you know, it. but honestly, when I started doing this list, it, and writing this list was like very hard, I honestly didn't finish until today, um, earlier, uh, yeah. You know, and and I really thought, you know, my my first couple of listens through, uh, you know, I was I was I was trying to find that obvious number 1. You know, most of the time when when we do these like one sticks out like this is obvious, you right, know, right. obviously number 1 here we go, you know, build the rest of the list. And I I really was kind of thinking like, oh, maybe, maybe it's optimistic. 
But then, you know, the more I, 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 I listen to the record, it just, I realize it's maybe because it's the first rocker, you know, it's the first one that like really kind of gets you. I feel like it, it's yeah. the sort of closest thing to a, you know, a, a sing along kind of song on here, you know, it, it, yeah, I, it's true. I think it's the one that has like the most, um, you know, uh, I don't know the word, not legible, but for audio uh kind of um you know lyrics and stuff you know i feel like like this is almost a stadium rocker yeah i mean do you think it would like not fit on okay computer or something like that yeah see that's the thing i i it's the one that like doesn't feel like it's taken a huge leap from okay computer you know it Mm. it, it maybe wouldn't fit but you know if they if they made that follow-up to okay computer that was like still a rock record this would be right on there you know they have no problem fitting on there yeah, are you saving your thoughts, Darren? Uh, yeah, I, I, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> this one's, this one's going to go God long. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just say in closing uh, that, you know, I think it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it's cool that it's here. It is kind of like the least uh, big of a jump, but I do appreciate that. Um, I don't know. It's like very interesting guitar work. It's very, it's very innovative still. It would have been very like one of the more innovative songs probably on OK Computer. And yet it's just really interesting to me how like in the context of Kid A, it sounds even more forward thinking. It's amazing how this album does this, which is like, yeah, even non-electronic elements just feel like part of the fabric of this thing somehow. Um, Also, I want to shout out like, I think an important part of this album is like these little moments because it does often lack like really catchy choruses and stuff this is one of the catchier songs but you know like the part when he's like you know and it's like all the shit builds up at the same time like toward the end i just feel like that's emblematic of this album how like you're looking for those little moments like you know the moment in how to disappear completely when his voice joins that like you know yeah sliding sound Mm -hmm. like just that one moment like i don't know it's like makes the whole song worth it and i feel like in the absence of really catchy choruses this album is great at like giving you those like big payoffs really quickly um no idea where the hell we are i think we're on we're on my number six yeah okay what is your number six? yeah my number six is the national anthem hey it's mine too okay good good that was another one i was a little worried about getting in trouble surprise you and i got later for me i'll say (laughs) all right good yeah um yeah i put it here i this is a song i was thinking I was thinking, you know, if I'd made this list, you know, back in high school, National Anthem would probably be, like, p- pretty close to the top, if not the top. It, it, it's wow. it's a real, you know, it, it's a badass song. You know, it's, it's it's rocking as hell. Love the bass in it. You know, the saxophone's yeah. cool. When when I was younger, though, I thought it was, like, the most experimental rock shit ever. <laughs> uh, and, and then I, you know discovered kraut rock and, and free jazz and stuff uh, and it, it's basically you know little uh bits of that uh in, in the nicest way possible uh you know, sanitize it down um I, I i wish that um that little like sax solo at the end would just go full on free jazz it, it like skirts it you know um and, yeah. and that was kind of annoying me a little bit uh th- throughout these two weeks uh listening um, just didn't go far enough for me anymore. So it's on uh, number six for me. Wow. I mean, I'll say it's, it's quite a bit later than mine. So I'll save the number, but Darren, it's close for you. It, it's, it's also my number six. Yeah. It's okay. My number six. Okay. So why? Um, you know, I, this song, uh, I think, I think even back in high school when I first listened to this record, I would probably place it right about here. Um, wow. it's never really been a, you know, 
favorite, I guess, uh, amongst the songs on this record. You know, I, I just feel like, and you, I was interesting, I thought if I found it interesting, Dan, that you had mentioned that Optimistic was kind of like the first rocker, because I kind of feel like this is the rocker um, hmm. that reminds me a lot of like the rocking of like OK Computer, you know? But the thing that makes it so, you know, you know, makes it Kid A and not OK Computer, right, is, is the same thing that I feel like happens with all of these tracks. It's like just the amount of thought i feel like that goes into each one of these tracks you know um i gotta imagine that at one point there was a version of this song that maybe obviously didn't have the horn section and the craziness that that, that ends up happening but mm -hmm. i think that the way they tinkered with this album the idea that they really wanted to separate themselves from themselves right from okay computer and everything kind of leads you down these paths where you're like well let's just try it let's try this or like let's see what we can push with this horn section and not make it like other horn sections and other you know tracks or whatever um and you know it, it ends up creating i think something that's really like a fascinating song i mean i absolutely love it it's it's incredibly energetic but you know I'm glad it happens early in the record, right? Because I feel like as you go into like how to disappear completely optimistic idiotech, and once you get into these, the meat, like the real middle section there of the record, um, you know, national anthem is great, but it's like, it's in your rear view mirror at this point, right? You're kind of like diving deeper and deeper mm -hmm. into this story. There's not necessarily an, act, an exact story, but like you're diving deeper and deeper into this world, I guess. And National Anthem, I think, sits at a nice place towards the front. Wouldn't f wouldn't feel right anywhere later on because, like, the moodiness and the emotion that kind of, yeah, like, I gets agree. drawn out. You know what I mean? Um, that That's mm -hmm. kind of why it's, I guess, higher on my list than, you know, some of the tracks we're about to talk about. Well, I'll say that it, you know, if I had made this list back in high school, it would probably be about here, but... This week, it, it made it quite a bit higher. I'll save the number, but, um, you know, I'll just say that I just fucking love it. It's like a it's like a post-punk song meets Charles Mingus or something. You know, it's like I feel like you've always loved blending. this song a lot. Did I? I don't know. I can't I remember. Feel, I feel I like you did it. a lot. I, I just... You used to play the bass line all it. the time, you know? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Well... Yeah, uh, I think uh, Tom York wrote it when he was like 16, the bass line, and it was kind of like floating around. And it feels like something a 16-year-old would write because I could play it at 16, obviously. But, um, you know, couldn't, couldn't play Morning Bell uh, bass line at, at 16. But, yeah, I mean, it's got like a sick, like, I don't know, punky vibe to it. But then with this whole, like, blown-out Charles Mingus-sized, like, horn explosion, I do think it – I mean, I guess I could imagine it going farther, but I just think it's like – brilliantly chaotic um i don't know i, I can i it, it's weird because okay let's maybe have this conversation now because i feel like i got to bring it up at some point but like <laughs> this album gets very associated with 9-11 for some reason right a lot of people say that it kind of like set the tone for the post 9-11 music world and it even gets like there are even some crazy like reddit conspiracy theories and stuff about um, you know, tying this this album to nine eleven, like as if it predicted it or something like that. Oh my God. Um, I wonder if I mean because it's got this song in particular. It's got like a very apocalyptic feel. I, for some reason, I always think of like the nine eleven terror attacks or something when I'm listening to this. I know it sounds crazy, but like it's not just nine eleven, but also the whole digital age and everybody feels like this album predicted like everything about the 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 coming decade. You know, I mean, do you think about that shit when you're listening to this album? 
I, I don't think about 9-11 when I listen to this. No, not no. A, not, no. <laughs> wow. Not, not at all. You got to uh, read this. There's like an essay by Chuck Klosterman or something. That's like, you know, everything in its right place is like waking up that morning. Like today is like on the way to work, you know, <laughs> national like anthem is when the attacks happen, how to disappear completely is like oh walking around the streets with all the smoke everywhere and everybody, you know, and then it's like, goes on and on. And it's like, shit, it fucking works. <laughs> I don't know. That seems a little like, uh, you know, if you start uh, Wizard of Oz with <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon. It does. It does. If you start it on the 9-11, uh, you know, CNN report, <laughs> it follows it perfectly. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you think about this stuff, Darren, at all? I think about the what happened post 9-11, for sure, because I think what this... You know, it's like this post-apocalyptic type of world that it's depicting, and you can take that in a lot of different ways, like, you know, right. truly uh, World War Three type of apocalypse, or something that really happened, like 9-11, that I think we talked mm. about it way back in the day, that, like, the world would just never be the same. Like, we're now living, like, in a post-9-11 timeline, right? Like, that's just the way it is, yeah. and I feel like this album, you know, whether 9-11 happened or not, you know predicts what a world would be like if such an event such a massive event had happened you know yeah, i agree yeah yeah i don't know it really it's just really i mean it's part of like perhaps the legacy of this album part of why it's like become such a you know masterpiece of the 2000s is i think because it you know accidentally or not it sort of predicted like the mood of the coming you know like the kind of apocalyptic like digital chaos of like the coming years yeah. um so I'll just say that for National Anthem in particular, it just really feels like tied to that era for me in my brain, which is part of why I love it so much. Um, again, just no fucking idea where we are on this on this list. Here. <laughs> well, your number six is yeah, Morning yeah. Bell. And so then that would put it uh, put us at uh, my number five. But I already said that, which was optimistic. So I believe we're at Darren's number five. Jesus. This is a fucking stupid way to do this. <laughs> I know Did everyone's your, thinking that. Did we do your number six, Darren? Yeah, my yeah, number six the same is as also mine. national anthem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe so maybe we should five, maybe we should recap everyone's. Uh, you know, since we're halfway, maybe <laughs> yeah. we should recap. That's not a bad idea. Well, ten, ten to six. Okay, Dan, Dan what's yours? Tree fingers, kid A, motion picture soundtrack in limbo, national anthem, and Darren. Tree Fingers, In Limbo, Kid A, Morning Bell, The National Anthem. And I've got Tree Fingers, Kid A, Motion Picture Soundtrack, Optimistic, and Morning Bell. So, Darren, you're number five. Number five for me is Motion Picture Soundtrack. Um, Okay. And you guys had talked about it earlier, and I didn't really want to say anything, because, I mean, this, honestly, I think there was definitely times... Um, early on when I was listening to this record that maybe motion picture soundtrack would have been like one or two, right? I mean, even mm. when I started on this list, I was thinking, surely motion picture soundtrack is going to be like top three. And I think I had it there early on and it just kind of moved with some additional listenings. You know, like I mentioned before, when you come back to these albums, especially ones that had such a major impact and they are still worth listening to, um, tracks you know favorite tracks just change i mean honestly this list that i'm looking at here could probably change next week i'm sure you guys feel the same um Mm -hmm, yeah definitely motion picture soundtrack for me i think you know it's it's just such a perfect it's you know when you think about like really great um you know ending tracks for albums i i just think this is one of the ones that always kind of pops in my mind and, and such you know a track that is like literally built to be a closer 
you know, it's not really right. meant to right. be anything else. And, you know, I mentioned before how fascinating I always felt like thinking about like what, you know, their, uh, their, uh, creative process was for making an album like this and motion picture soundtrack. Actually, there's some like live recordings prior to around this time that has Tom just playing the song, like on an acoustic guitar, you know? And I just always thought how, you know, incredible it is to think about, you know, I used to like to write music, right. And like, I would write something on a guitar and thought it sounded good and thought it meant thought that it needed to just be an acoustic guitar. Cause that's how I started writing <laughs> right. on it. You know what I mean? To, to take something like that and say, you know, it sounded great on the acoustic, but let's try an organ or try something totally different and change the mood up and change the way that you sing it and everything. Like, um, the differences are just so amazing. And so I've, I've just, I, I absolutely love the way this track works. I, I think that everything that you guys have sort of described as it being like strange and not like the rest of the record is kind of like why I love it. I think it's like a, it's a great epilogue. It's a great ending, I guess, to this book that we are in, you know, this world that has already been built up. It feels like it's at an, at the end by the end of morning bell, like we've kind of run out of everything you know, that baseline sort of just ends with literally just the base. There's n- literally yeah. nothing left of this post-apocalyptic, post-9-11 type of world other than to, you know, transcend or move on. And I, I guess that, you know, that can be pretty cheesy. I guess to a 16, 17-year-old, that's like, man, <laughs> right. this is like my yeah. funeral song, man. If I die, yeah. <laughs> play this song for me. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily yeah. feel that way anymore, but I still, like, I, I, I don't, I, you know, when you listen to this record, like, I can't wait to get to this track. Like, it just feels so fulfilling, like, like a breath of fresh air. Like I I have done something great, something productive at the, at the end of this record, you know? Um, yeah, it bookends so well with everything in its right place too. I I just can't, I don't know. I can't kind of uh, gush about it enough. I feel like we should, um, address however briefly that little ending flourish or track 11 as streamer, uh, zoomers will will call it. Um, (laughs) you know, it's um you know i think it's very interesting like conceptually because yeah this song has basically no digital elements or maybe almost no digital elements and then we get you know we we get some silence on this original release and then in fades in what basically sounds like you know the ending of motion picture soundtrack but being like filtered through the sort of chord chaos pad that Johnny Greenwood like seems to just love on this album that he's like constantly like fucking with, you know, Tom's voice and stuff like, you know, especially on everything Mm -hmm. that's right place and stuff. But it's like, he's like all of a sudden this whole like beautiful, very organic sounding song is getting filtered through, you know, back into this digital hellscape that that we've been in. It, it, It feels like maybe pessimistic or like just a little, a little touch of like, you know, just a little, a little like it sounded. It sounded like we ended in kind of a beautiful way, and yet here's a little touch of darkness to remind you where we've been. And yet, reading the lyrics this week, I was like, man, the the lyrics are like pretty suicidal. I gotta say, <laughs> um, I also feel that way about how to disappear completely, which we'll talk about in a minute. But like, you know, do you think this is a pessimistic song? Do you think this is a pessimistic album? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a pessimistic album. Um, you know, like 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 you guys were sort of talking about. Um, it, it does have this like sort of post-apocalyptic or you know feel to it, and I mean, I guess maybe that you could you could argue for some moments of optimism or something, you know, optimistically. Um, but hey. you know, I, I I think I think mostly it's it's pessimistic. Yeah. 
What do you think, Darren? Yeah, I think it's pessimistic. I think it looks at, like, the OK Computer sort of age and thinks that, like, it's not going to work out, right? It's only, it's not going to be what we had hoped it would be, you know? Um, I think it does vary a little bit. Like Dan sort of said, it, it gets into a little bit of optimistic or optimism. But I think by the end of this record, you're sort of meant to feel almost like it's hopeless, right? And that that little yeah. flurry at the end, you know, um, I don't really think too much of it. You know, I, I do, I, I kind of agree that it's interesting how it passes through this like digital filter as a, like a reminder, maybe a teaser for a potential sequel that never happened. But, you oh, know. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it, and, and maybe that's just a hint of like optimism, right? I mean, you know, motion picture soundtrack ends very like I feel like dark, very, very dark. Like it's, hmm. you know, it, 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 there, there seems to be some purpose to have that kind of come back in right, right at the very end. Yeah. I think also, I don't know. I, I guess I want also wanted to ask you guys, I guess we've spent a long time on this song, but like, is kid a a concept album to you? Because I always find myself thinking about kid a, you know, whatever, like the first kid born in this post-apocalyptic world or whatever, mm-hmm. the first human clone as people like to say, uh, basically ends up killing himself in this song. It's like, I, I have a hard time thinking of it any other way. Do you guys think of it in a concept album style like that? I mean, I don't know if it's a concept album in the sense that, like, it's a, you know, a one story, you know, that, uh, you know, like uh, a Tommy or something, you know. I, I think it's a concept-like right. thing in the sense of, like, a world building, like like we've talked about, you know. So, mm-hmm. so yes, but, like, lightly, lightly a concept. What do you think, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you can look at it both ways, right? I mean, you can look at it, like, in a literal sense that this is the story of Kid A, you know, in, in his journey until the end of his life or something like that. Or, you know, I think the way that I've always connected with it is that it, similar to, like, what Dan said, it, it sets a, a mood, right? It, it it picks out, you know, a particular worldview and kind of like a, a mood and then takes you through that. And you can look at that as like a post apocalyptic type of science fiction yeah. type of thing or a literal like post nine eleven, or like, you know, your depression years of your, you know, of being a teenager and all that kind of stuff that just sort of happens <laughs> right. to you. I feel like it's you can look at it in multiple ways. And that's why I kept say, talking about at the top that this record has meant different things to me throughout my life. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's certainly a, to its credit. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll do my number five where I might get into some trouble. Uh, it's everything in its right place. Okay. That's my number four. It's my number four. Okay. All right. Darren's outraged, but not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not like super steaming yet, but, uh, well, um, you know, it's a obviously incredible opener. It's, I don't know. I don't know how Nigel Godrich did it, but like just the the opening notes, like this keyboard is like the most mm-hmm. warmest, like enveloping yeah. thing ever. Yes. I mean, it's just like as soon as I start this album, I'm like, oh my God. Yes. I mean, a lot of this record, it just makes me feel like I start salivating because I'm like, what if <laughs> Nigel Godrich like produced like some of the warp artists? Like, what if he just did an album with Autekker? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just, I can't even talk about it. I'm going to like, you know mess my pants or something (laughs) (laughs) um everything in its right place striking to me because it is so minimal you know it is like 
it's really a beautiful song, but it is there's not a lot to it. It's honestly just like a little thumping, like very light electronic kick, you know, and um, and these keyboards. And then there's a little bit of I can't remember what it's called, but, you know, you turn up like the sort of uh, effect on the keyboard that makes it like, you know, brings out the highs and the sound and everything um, to kind of like make little swells at, at, at climactic moments. And then Johnny's just basically like fucking with Tom's voice with the, the chaos pad and sometimes making like a bona fide symphony of little clips of of tom's voice but it's just it's honestly striking it was striking this week to me to like realize like what i what i always thought of is this like incredibly lush like digital world building kind of a thing like you were talking about dan and just to like really think about it and realize like a lot of these songs are just like three components you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure it it is kind of crazy you know you you think of it in the context of like you know warp and all that but it, it really is like just uh, you know a handful of, full of things at a time but um i mean th- this is great so i i have it at number four um mm-hmm. we, you know like we briefly it touched on earlier like darren said it, you know it, it's kind of like a, a a prelude to the record i think it's i think it's the perfect prelude to this record it it, it, it like you said it, as soon as those first couple you know notes hit you're just like you're sucked in you're 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 right like in this this world that you know you don't even know exists yet uh, i i think it's just like a a perfect opener a perfect like step into what you're about to you know listen to and everything um yeah i love that that keyboard sound the the, the you know your experience in the chaos pad thing for the first time i i, I think uh, it's this this record in general is like um immaculately uh sequenced and and i think he you know Everything in its right place is, is in its right place. Hey. I love doing it. Go. I love doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you uh, trying to save your number and thoughts, Darren? I, I don't think I will. So it's my number three, right? Okay. okay. Um, you know, in this, this everything you've said, I, I don't even know if I can really add much more to it. I mean, it is just such a perfect song. I can never, ever, 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 ever listen to this record without listening to without starting at everything in its right mm-hmm. place like yeah and i have exactly once you start i've got to listen to the very end and you know everything in its right place just it just works so well for setting this stage up and like you know it draws you in it sucks you in just everything that you said dan is exactly what i feel every time i listen to the to the song and it's it's amazing to think how many times i have heard this song that it has like the same effect on me every time it is a great song on headphones i i just stop it you know i've been listening to this record while uh you know working and different things this track just stops me from kind of doing everything that i'm doing and just focusing on everything that's happening on both sides of my ears and and stuff and it ah i can't gush about this one enough honestly it's a perfect song yeah yeah it's interesting too because we you know we were talking about you know the minimalism of the sounds but we haven't talked a lot about lyrics here and there's obviously like a very minimalist approach to lyrics as well um you know tom york made use of this kind of cut up technique for this album um suffering from a lot of writer's block trying to i guess follow up okay computer and just had a lot of stuff and ended up like cutting up little phrases and lines and like drawing them out of a hat or something and like composing these songs and yeah, you can really hear it like on this song how it's just like a couple lines like repeated, you know, like just weird, evocative, like very cryptic lines. Um, but you know, it goes back to what we were talking about with like the the pessimism 
of this album if it's a pessimistic album i mean everything in its right place is obviously like you know completely sarcastic right yeah as is the phrase optimistic yeah <laughs> okay glad we cleared that up um <laughs> But I do, I mean, do you guys like that approach? I think it's like so perfect for this album. Just like these strange evocative little lines that like are complete non sequiturs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's great. Uh, you know, that's the old uh, Brian Eno uh, trick there with the cut up. Well, and I just think it, it, it does a great job of like not trying to be so literal or so serious and trying to do so much work to try to guide you in you know what i mean um i think lyrics can often do that where you're just too caught up in like what are they trying to say what kind of story am i being set up for especially with an opening track like that i just think it's it's a perfect method to you know focus your attention on the mood and less on like what is tom york the person trying to say to you you know like i i just i often find myself not thinking about what they're trying to communicate and rather just you know sinking in like getting sucked in i guess like like dan had mentioned yeah i think it's like like i said earlier it's like part of i think what makes this album so iconic for so many people is like because it's so cryptic it really does you can really apply like like to 9-11 you can apply Mm -hmm. it to when i listen to this song you know like the phrase like you know what is that you tried to say you know just everything about this song just makes me think of like how i feel about social media like there's just a nonstop glut of like worthless shit people are posting all the time. And I'm just always like, anytime I want to like say something, I like sit down and I'm like, I can't think of anything to say because yeah. like, what yeah. would it even matter if I said anything? And it just feels like so much about this moment, um, 20 years later even, which is crazy. But again, I also love just like the strange evocative quality, like optimistic. He's talking about dinosaurs roaming the earth or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, you could come up with some explanation what that means, but it really just is like a crazy, crazy <laughs> thing to like come out of nowhere. I feel like, um, <laughs> like it came out of the hat and he's like, mm, all right, I guess this is all right. Going we in. talk about dinosaurs at the end of the song. Um, <laughs> okay. So that was my, that was my number five. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm we need, we need Darren's number five. No, you, we, mine was motion picture soundtrack. So we did that one. Oh, fuck. Okay, I so didn't write it down. We were on, I didn't write that down. We were on to your four, Dan, I think. <laughs> My number four was everything in its right place. <laughs> okay. We are on to Darren's number four. All right. Number four for me is optimistic. Um, okay. Okay. Pretty high. Yep. And I'm trying to th- I'm trying to remember everything you guys had sort of said. I mean, I, I absolutely love this track. I, I think that its placement, again, I keep coming back to this, but like the placement on the record is just so freaking like perfect you know what i mean um it kicks off the second half of the record i think in in a way that like i think the uh the national anthem sort of gives you a nice rocker a good energetic um song there um i just i love i love its placement because i feel like you're right in the center right in the middle of the story right in the middle of this world you know if you're imagining 9-11 or anything any crazy event like you're in the midst of it like you're in the war zone all this stuff is like happening um all around you you know what i mean and i feel like the uh the way the you know the way it's produced and the way it envelops you it just feels like you're just being surrounded by whatever this world is like you're just totally in it at this point um and you know i i i love the the um the rockingness of it, I guess, you know, I, I think it just, it, it's uh, perfect. Cause like you just, you know, after a song like how to disappear completely, this is the true, you know, this is the true real song that follows that one up. Right. Never mind uh, tree fingers, but 
you know, you're just in such a, a place <laughs> at the end of how to disappear completely. It only seems to make sense to try to bring it up a little bit. Um, and it is, it is interesting that it, you know, of course it's the song called optimistic that follows, you know, something like how to disappear completely. But, um, I don't know for me, this is just a brilliant song in, in many ways. Yeah. I was, um, I was observing something this week. It doesn't exactly work, but I wonder what you guys think about it. Or it feels like a lot of this album is like working in twos. Like everything in its right place and Kid A are like two very, very, you know, electronic, very, you know, similar vibe songs. I feel mm-hmm. like National Anthem and How to Disappear Completely, they're both like, they're both kind of like the mixture of analog or uh, synthetic and then um, organic instruments, you know, with like the horns and the strings and stuff like that. Optimistic and In Limbo are like the only two songs that are kind of like rock songs back sure. to back. We talked about how Morning Bell and Motion Picture Soundtrack are both kind of pretty. Do you guys agree with that? And it's kind of like weird that that even works. Yeah, I, I never really thought about that before, but but yeah, when you when you spell it out, because this album is like it's like the pinnacle of cohesiveness. You know what I mean? It's like, and yet we get the only two rock songs back to back. Kind of weird. No, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it quite like that. Um, but uh, I, I think it it actually makes a ton of sense. You know the way we're looking at it and it's weird because i mean like i said i feel like every track kind of like speaks to the previous tracks in some ways you know like even optimistic being at track six i i'm in the same world that everything in its right place so perfectly placed me in you know we talk about this sometimes where albums have songs that just seem out of place or not really well sequenced and gabe you had mentioned about how perfectly sequenced this is and again if i'm reading a story I'm, this is like the heart of the story, like right up in the, to the middle section of the story. And, and this is right where that song is. It just feels, it just feels right. You know, feels like everything's in yeah. its right place. Right. I mean, wow. There we go. Wow. Just think, come on. Dan, Dan's joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Darren's number four. We're on to my number four, Correct. which is how to disappear completely. All right, that's my number three. Okay. <laughs> this is so interesting. Darren's silent. Darren is just, he it's, won't even say anything. Well, I mean, it's its just interesting because you just said it's your number three, Dan. It's my number two. <laughs> I mean, we're, <laughs> so we're like going in an order here. Um, okay. Yeah. So upper, upper half for sure. I mean, this probably would have been near the top for me in high school. Um, sure. I'll say that it's, you know, it, it's, it's, obviously stunning like just undeniably stunning it's like amazing that you get an acoustic guitar popping in to this album at this point you know like didn't think we were going to get any of those um and then we get like kind of a nice acoustic guitar kind of like a droning ambience and then just like the these incredible strings you know and that incredible sound you know that like you know it's like it's like a sound like uh the opening of only shallow on loveless or something it's the most like just stop you in your tracks when you hear that sound i think and i don't know it's like a, it, I, I also got to shout out the like walking bass line which i feel like is maybe the best part of the whole song yeah um you know i'll say that it's it's very uh i don't know very like oppressively melancholy to me as a 31 year old or however old i am like <laughs> it, it really hit me in high school but i just feel like it's quite a suicidal like quite a depressive song sure it's like bleak as hell i mean it's just incredible that like you think if this was produced differently it would sound like fake plastic trees or something like that but the way it's produced it is like 
I, I really feel like killing myself when it's over. And that's the only reason why it's not so high anymore. <laughs> How do you feel about it? Dan? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is like oppressively melancholy. And I think, and you're right, you know, in high school, this, this probably would have been like, you know, but probably number one, maybe, no, you know, number two, definitely higher, you know, but as a 33 yeah. year old, uh, <laughs> I'm less melancholy, but only number three's worth, I guess. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe, maybe just 2020, you know, it works. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just like an absolutely like gorgeous song. And, you know, that, that's not a way I, I describe music very often or, you uh, know, or even a, a way that is, is pleasing to me a, a lot. But this, this is just like a, a damn good, like, you know, I, 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 it's, it's what I imagine people feel like when they hear like, you know, some song, just like a, a somebody who sings good, like Adele or something, you know, like <laughs> that just like is a, a, annoying to me. But th- this is, I, I assume this is how people feel. This is Dan's Adele. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. That is, put that on the Twitter for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, Darren, you're still depressed, I guess. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't. You guys are saying all this, and I'm like, wow, what does this say about <laughs> the the person with like children and all this? Stuff? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Um, you know, this actually was was sitting at the number one spot uh, at one point when wow. I when I started this nice. this whole thing um, because you know I, I was kind of calling back to like, yeah, this is the song, right? And um, the more I listened to it, though, I I kind of felt like. You know, maybe maybe it is. Maybe I'm I'm connecting a bit more with like a nostalgia, right? Rather than like yeah. the same thing that I was truly feeling at at the time. But I, I do think that you know, there's there's a major difference between like the sadness and the melancholy of this song and like you know, um, Mount Erie that that album from Mount Erie where he, he talks about his, his right, passing right. away and stuff like there. Yeah, you yeah, know, and I, I think maybe it has everything to do with like the lyrics. But um, like a lot of these other tracks, I just feel like it it's still like open to interpretation in the sense that like, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be that you're feeling suicidal, but like there are certainly times even in the seemingly happiest of, of lives where, hey, you're just down, you know, or things just don't go your way or, you know, that's just life, right? Um, So I feel like this track can find itself in those types of places and you can you can find yourself in those places and not necessarily like a, you know, an angsty... um teenager necessarily right i mean yeah you don't have to I, I live in them yeah I, and I, I just think what i'm what i'm getting at is that this is another one of those songs that kind of changes maybe it grows with you it matures with you in a different way um whereas stuff like uh i don't know i hate myself and want to die from nirvana i'm just like <laughs> eh, not really connecting to that one anymore this one i still find like there are ways to you know the, just the emotion that it that it um presents i think is something that i still can connect to you know yeah, I guess I, I guess I disagree because I just, I don't know. You know, you get sad sometimes, but I'm never trying to will myself out of existence like I was <laughs> in high school. I'm not here. Yeah. This isn't happening. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's heavy. I mean, I feel like I'm watching a movie. It's got like such grandeur to it. I mean, I can still watch a movie like that's about a very terrible tragedy or something. And maybe I, I listen to it with that distance now. Like I'm just listening to somebody else go through something. But um but yeah, beautiful song, obviously. So that was my number four. Dan, have we talked about your number three? Yeah, my number three was everything in its right place. <laughs> okay. Darren, or, I mean, how three. to disappear. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was how to disappear. Your number three, Darren. My number three was everything in its right place. So we did, we did talk about that. 
Okay. So we're back Some to mess. my number three, which is in limbo. This is how high I got. In oh limbo. my god, that was Darren's number nine for the record. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and my number. Seven. You know. Yeah, I won't add too much because we talked about it, but I think it's a very unique song in the Radiohead catalog. It's like pretty. I don't know. It's just pretty awesome with like this strange off balance, like wobble to the, to the rhythm of it. And you've got like quite a lot of layering of guitar sounds and stuff, but then also like pretty dreamy kind of vocals. And they've got this amazing, like kind of bit crushed effect to the vocals and stuff that I just love. I just feel like, you know, I, I sort of said this about optimistic, but I feel like it's even more true here, which is like, this is as interesting guitar-based music as anything on OK Computer, if not more. Like, it's, like, the one time where I really feel like, you know, it gives me the same kind of, like, amazed feeling about the idea of what a rock band can do. Whereas some of these songs I just don't really associate with, with rock bands. But, you know, it's kind of like a gem. A little bit of a hot take to put it this high, I'll admit. But I, do, I just really, really <laughs> um, I mean, do you? would you, like, if you were trying to put together a a playlist of 10 songs across all of the Radiohead albums would you put that on there well i told you it comes with optimistic and i won't separate <laughs> so you're going to use two tracks <laughs> no that's one track I'll, oh I'll, that's I'll just I'll one splice track. them together Jeez. but in audacity i'll put them together and that's one song you got to listen to but you put optimistic at number 7 why, why is yeah, this but, so much higher? Coming, wouldn't wouldn't, this, wouldn't they be next to each other? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Excellent question. No, because optimistic, I'm not including in limbo in optimistic, but in limbo, I'm including <laughs> in, in limbo. Okay. That makes okay. sense, doesn't makes, it? Oh yeah, yeah, perfectly. <laughs> so that's how that that's how that happened. Um, wow, we are on to your number two, Dan. <laughs> No, uh, but you guys have both said it. Uh, I would number two. I went Morning Bell. Um, basically, wow. for the reasons you said it, it you know was was lower. Um, you know, this is a kraut rock song. I you know I I love Jackie Leapsight um so much, and you know I I love how cold and like unfeeling, but still you know natural instruments this is like uh, you know that that's just a thing I love in music. You know, in can and everything. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I, I put it here. Number two, you know, you, you complained about it, it also being on Amnesiac. I like the Amnesiac version, but but I, I think this is the, the, the superior one. Um, it, like, if I was going to drop one of them, I'd drop the Amnesiac one. Um, it, yeah. In fact, like, you know, if I'm just running through Amnesiac, you know, I might, I, I would maybe, you know, be okay with skipping it. I don't skip songs on albums, <laughs> though. Um, but if I did, I, w- I would. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, it honestly shocked me that you guys were, you had it, uh, number six gave and Darren, uh, number seven. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, I guess we don't have time to get like super into amnesiac, even though it's like intimately connected to this album, but that's like the one, th- the one like misstep. I feel like, I feel like amnesiac is like a, a masterpiece, but like, that's the one thing that does make it feel like a little it, bit of an outtake. Yeah, exactly. It makes it feel like a B side kind of thing. Are you, are you a defender of that decision darren by chance not really you know i, I kind of feel the same way because i like i was sort of mentioning i feel like a lot of these tracks probably had very different versions at different points yeah. of the process yeah. it's just it's always struck me as odd that like why morning bell why does morning bell mm-hmm. get that type of treatment and not you know several of these other songs that very se- yeah. very well seem like they could have been a different type of version or vi- envisioned a different way you know 
Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, we should mention, uh, I think everybody knows, but recording Kid A was apparently like a very laborious process. So mm-hmm. I, I would not be surprised if there were lots of, uh, actually, didn't they, Dan, like, didn't they drop like some huge file? Dump that was of, okay, like, computer. Okay. They haven't done it for Kid A? No, you know, I, I, I was a little disappointed. You know, they, we talked about OK Computer when they released like that OK, not OK box set and everything. And I, I was really kind of right. hoping they would do one for, uh, you know, Kid A. Yeah. Um, and they didn't. Uh, th- there is like a, a collector's version of this with some uh, bonus songs and, and shit. But mm. I, think, I think it was like when they broke from Capitol um, right. Records. Like, remember, they put out like some yeah, stuff yeah. that the band wasn't happy with. Um, I, I think and it's in fact, a part I think of it's- that. I think it's only live tracks on the it, second. It is, yeah, because, it is just live yeah. tracks. In fact, one of them is even just from "I Might Be Wrong" the the oh, official wow. live album, which is stupid. <laughs> That's lazy. Know? Yeah, very. Um, okay, so that was your number two, Dan. Yeah, number two. All right, Darren, what is your number two? My number two was "How to Disappear Completely." Okay, and did you were you saving your thoughts on that one? No. Oh no. Oh, no, no, no. We no, had yeah, the we, convo. Yeah, we yeah, had yeah. the convo. So I'm feeling like, uh, well, my number two was National Anthem. All which right. We got the I, same I, I number one. I did talk about. We all have the same number one. I can't believe it. Idiotech. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's crazy. Because it's crazy. Because well like, I, like I said, there was not like, you know, Tree Fingers is sort of the only like, this obviously goes here. I, and, yeah. And when I make all these lists for every, you know, we've done them for sergeant pepper so you know i always sort of like you know this is number one um i i nothing popped out at me like that so it really like shocks me that this that this is number one for everybody yeah it, it i don't know my list like didn't i usually like just listen to albums when we're doing this and then it's like most of the list just kind of comes to me you know mm-hmm. like naturally but this was like i had to like actually write it write it down and like play with different <laughs> orders and stuff like that but yeah, this kind of like surprised me by floating its way up to the top. Dan, why did it make number one for you? I I, I fucking love that like beat in this song. You know, it, it's yeah, like it's yeah. sort of the like most electronic song here. I, that snare drum is like so cool. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's got like a great mix of like sort of being a little sing alongy. Um, you know, like like right. optimistic feels a little bit you know closer to like um the the uh the arena rock sort of thing like i said where whereas this is like that but like you know experimental you know it's like it's like the the yeah. electronic experimental version of that um which i think is just like a super interesting thing that like you know I, th- this was probably one of the first times i i realized a, a rock band could do something like this um and yeah. it, it, i mean it, it, it's just a goddamn banger yeah why is it number one for you darren you know, I, I think my my top three, everything in its right place, how to disappear completely in idiotech. I think all three could have been number one, um, mm-hmm. honestly. And, and there was a little bit of variety as I was building the list and stuff. But um, I kind of landed on idiotech being the the number one track, just because I feel like it it perfectly embodies this entire record, the emotion, the world. Everything that we've talked about up until this point, I feel like is contained in this one track, you know, and it's, it is so telling. I think it is such a monumental track in Radiohead's catalog. I mean, I was listening to this in the car and my wife, Olivia, who, you know, is not really a Radiohead fan, but she's like, you know, she likes it. I guess she was like, oh yeah, I can definitely, I always know when you're listening to uh, Radiohead and it was this track that happened to be playing, you know, because she just feels like 
it just you know it just stands out in such a you know huge way um and i, I feel like there's <laughs> there's really just no other band that I can think of that really comes close or does anything quite like this. Um, and I mean, it has a little bit of everything. And I think Tom's voice obviously is a huge, you know, feature here. Um, I always found it fascinating that like when they play this song live, the beat is just never as just doesn't like hit as hard. And I guess that's just because, right, right. you know, you know, trying to get like a heavy thump through just doesn't always work at like at concerts and stuff or live live performances um so i've always preferred like this version you know on the record with headphones on and everything i just think it's so perfect um sequence wise again i think it is just so perfectly placed in the record um you know as the follow-up to in limbo and you know preceding basically morning bell and then the final track um you know, I guess if you if you wanted somebody to understand this record in a single track, you could just play them Idiotech and say, this is, if you like this, then, you, you know, you're going to love the rest of this record, I think. Yeah, it's it's amazing because, I mean, have you ever seen, like, there's a clip of young Kanye in the studio, and, like, he's got Timbaland there, I think, who's, like, he, he's asking Timbaland, like, help him fix his drums because, like, he's... He it's hard to get like an, a slamming beat, you know, and Tim is kind of helping him and stuff like that. And just like I always think about that when I think about this song, because I'm like, these guys were like just playing around with stuff for the first time, like electronic stuff. Apparently they like actually sort of constructed these sounds like actually synthesized them. You know, it's not like they like bought a 808 or something like that. You can tell it's like a newly devised sort of like synthesized drum sound. And that in combination with the motherfucking genius Nigel Godrich, this beat yep. is slamming. Like, yeah. how did they do that? And it's such a fascinating song because it's like this incredibly slamming beat with like the most tender, delicate, like wispy synth thing, you know? Like that's the only melody, really. Um and it's like the contrast there is incredible. It's incredible how the, it just feels like it keeps building in intensity the whole song. I feel like, do you guys agree with this that like Tom York, his entire solo career, he's just been like trying to do this song again, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the solo stuff, definitely. It, it, I don't want to get any angry emails, um, and, and even from my wife, she loves some Tom York solo stuff. But it, it all just kind of feels like, yeah, he he's trying to do this again. And I mean, it's not a knock because it's like, yeah, it's a great, is, yeah. If you're gonna try to do something again, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what I mean, Darren. Yeah, definitely. I I think that, you know, especially thinking about like how like the eraser sounded, right? Um, you know, his focus on those types of beats that he was like really making and stuff, you could really hear where I think it idiotech kind of set the stage for all that and he was sort of just chasing after that. Um, unfortunately I don't think he ever came close. Yeah. Well let me ask I mean it leads me to a big picture question which is true for this song, but also true for a couple songs on this album. Like, why does Idiotech feel like a Radiohead song when nobody in Radiohead is on it? Stumped you. Yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a Tom York solo song, you know? No, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think that Johnny Greenwood certainly, I I mean, I just feel like that 
when you watch them play it live, you know, there's a lot of tinkering and um, kind of like messing around with the sound. Like there's never even a real attempt to try to like replicate exactly what was on the record, you know? Yeah. And um, you just get the feeling that that is sort of how this song comes to be, you know, it just starts with maybe this great beat or something, you know, similar. And the members of Radiohead have some way of contributing to it, even if they're not necessarily playing on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. It's just, I don't know. I just, everything about this song just feels like kind of a lightning in a bottle moment that like for sure Tom York's going to spend the next 20 years chasing, you know, (laughs) to varying degrees of success, like really a lot of great music that Tom York has made on his own, but like that it's just like, how does this work so well? How does it, how does it, how does this entire album even feel cohesive when you've got a song like Idiotech and then you've got a song like Optimistic, just a couple songs earlier, you know, motion picture soundtrack for that matter. Like, I don't know. Everything about this album is just kind of like amazed me how it even worked out. Um, so those are our list. Should we read them real quick, Dan? Yeah, I think we were, uh, you know, pretty clear and uh, concise uh, during the whole show, <laughs> yeah, but, right. but we'll go through it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, mine, I had uh, Tree Fingers, Kid A, Motion Picture Soundtrack, In Limbo, National Anthem, Optimistic, um, Everything in Its Right Place, How to Disappear, uh, Morning Bell, and Idiotech. For me, it was uh, number 10, Tree Fingers, In Limbo, Kid A, Morning Bell, The National Anthem, Motion Picture Soundtrack, Optimistic. Everything in its right place. How to disappear completely in Idiotech. I had Tree Fingers at number ten. Kid A. Motion picture soundtrack. Optimistic. Morning Bell. Everything in its right place. How to disappear completely in Limbo. The national anthem and a number one Idiotech. I want to read to you guys. Um, rate your music's track ratings if they were organized, you know, um, in a list. So this is kind of maybe what consensus is on these rankings. Okay. Number right. 10, Tree Fingers. No surprises there. Number 9, In Limbo. Number 8, Morning Bell. Mm. Number 7, Kid A. Mm-hmm. 6, Motion Picture Soundtrack. 5, Optimistic. 4, The National Anthem. 3, Idiotech. 2, How to Disappear Completely. And 1, Everything in Its Right Place. That's surprising to you guys? Everything in Its Right Place, not surprising, you know? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. But, yeah, some some of the other ones, yeah, it, it's it's fairly different from from our lists i think um i I think mine actually was fairly close just off by a couple of tracks i think motion picture soundtrack or no the national anthem i think was the one that was the the biggest difference Mm. but um but yeah i mean i honestly i i could totally see myself having a very similar list on a you know a different day yeah i guess you know we've done this a couple times and we've gotten heated but i feel like for some reason with this like there's such an equal level of greatness on most of these songs that it's like hard to hard to really get mad i think um so let's talk about uh you know we've touched on a lot of these like big picture questions but i had some you know i wanted to talk a little bit about the legacy the influence of this album you know i wonder if you guys think that you know it's the 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 common narrative which we've alluded to is that Radiohead was the band that was like saving rock or something. I feel like the nineties, you know, there was a lot of like, you know, your Becks and your Bjorks and stuff who were like really freely mixing genres and stuff. And, you know, hip hop's coming in and electronics coming in and stuff. And Radiohead with, especially with okay computer was seen as like the, the next generation of, uh, of rock. They had reinvented it. They had made it fresh and new and all this stuff. 
and then they totally abandon it for electronic music is the narrative. Do you guys think that that like genre, the idea of this as an electronic album is a little bit overstated, you know, because like we talked about, there are, there are songs with no electronic elements. There are plenty of live instrument elements or a couple of rock songs here, you know? I think it I think it depends on like your musical world view. You know, if if you just know what's popular, you know things that are on the radio, you know, which was a way, you know, a lot, most people knew Radiohead at the time. I, I think that this would come off as a very like electronic record. I think like when I was in high school and stuff, like you know, I, I really thought of it as that. But um, you know, now that uh, I'm older, uh, have like a much broader musical view, a uh, Autecker podcast. Um, you know, it doesn't <laughs> feel quite as um, as electronic. You know, it, it doesn't. It, it, it's it. it seems more like a rock record that's dabbling in electronics than an electronic record that's dabbling in in rock if that makes any sense yeah what do you think darren yeah i mean i guess if you're looking just at like the radiohead discography up until this point i don't necessarily think electronic is overstating it i mean i really think that it's a it's a fairly large step away from like the bends and, and even okay computer i mean i think there's a clear you know line that you can follow i mean it's not a complete uh you know 180 i suppose but um certainly they could have gone they could have they could have added a lot more guitar oriented stuff if they wanted to but they either just left it off entirely or replaced it with a you know some sort of electronic element so i i feel like this is this is like Radiohead kind of going in an electronic direction for sure. Yeah, it's interesting because it's remembered like a Dylan goes electric moment. Yeah, you know, sure. Like a complete fuck you to <laughs> to the fans and the establishment and stuff. And um, and it's funny. It's actually very similar to Dylan's going electric moment because like I'm bringing it all back home. He gave you half a fucking album of yeah. the greatest acoustic songs he's ever written. So like, why are you complaining? And here. There's plenty of stuff to love if you're like a big Oaken computer fan, I feel like. In fact, mm -hmm. it's interesting how, um, you know, honestly, I feel like you put this album on, you hear these first two tracks, and because they're first, it, it, it like makes you think the whole thing is electronic. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it speaks to like what we kept talking about, like this world building. It does such a good um job that it kind of tricks you into into feeling like you're you're entering yeah. entering this like entirely electronic world. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean, Darren, how it's like it's like a little unfair, but like the first song or two really kind of establishes the memory people have of albums. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's like exactly right and by the time you hear like an actual guitar yeah, I I don't really think you're thinking about the well. Whoa, this is a guitar all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. You're thinking of like, is maybe this isn't a guitar? This must be some sort of other instrument. You know what I mean? Like you're just kind of, um, you're not. You know, it, the first couple of tracks are going to set the tone. You know, set the mood. Um, yeah. And if they don't include guitars, I just don't think you're thinking about that sort of stuff by the time you get to like optimistic. You know. Yeah, and it's interesting listening to it now because I feel like the idea of the rock band is so dead. Like it is so. I mean, it's it's funny to imagine or or recall if you're old enough. Like there was a time when the 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 music press was like very invested in like what's a real rock band, you know, mm -hmm. and like this isn't a real rock band, you know, and stuff like that. And 
you know, that that's like the environment this comes out in. And by now, that is so like nonsensical. It just doesn't even mean anything now. You think about like how shocking it must have been to hear a song like Idiotech with like none, you know, no guitars, none of the members of Radiohead even on it. It's like purely electronic. And it feels like now nobody would bat an eye if a band had like some songs with no guitars on them, right? Like obviously. Um, do you feel like Radiohead kind of did that like like with kid a that they kind of set new expectations that like rock bands should feel free to not play rock i i think they at least like you know helped um because kid a was a critical success you know it, it it's not like yeah. an album that like came out everyone hated but you know 20 years later we're seeing how great it is you know i i think it was like pretty well liked pretty quickly uh it, you know which i think like allows uh other bands to to try that or even just people that are you know growing up um listening to records you know like that this is such a classic record that i mean even for us we're not that old and uh you know like we look at this as like sort of like a a a coming to age you know sort of album you know so i i I think you you definitely have to credit them um at least partially if if not wholly for for that well i guess we should mention though that like you know the the reception was a little mixed, you know, there was like this whole rock critic establishment that I do, I think felt pretty betrayed, like, um, got fairly mixed reviews. And I want to talk about this in a minute, but like, you know, it was kind of pitchfork. that was the first that was like, this is the greatest album ever. And that kind of like made pitchfork what it became. Um, but Darren, do you think this was responsible for kind of ending the idea of the rock band that used to exist in the 90s? Um, I mean, I, I guess so. You know, I, I've always like thought of like Radiohead just sort of being like in their own league, like in, in, in a space that like other bands just were, you know, not that we're just afraid to ever try to get there. You know, when, when you talk about some of the stuff that came out in the more mainstream world as as the 2000s went on, like Coldplay, right? Um, you know, you'd always think like Coldplay would never try something like a Kid A sort of deal. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like they would, they would just, you know, they, they got to keep making the millions, you know? Um, and so it, it's definitely a bold thing. And, and I, I think it definitely opens the, the door to the idea that like, you know, you don't have to follow up every guitar oriented, you know, rock album with yet another one. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to truly, you know, experiment and right. And we, you know, Gabe, you kind of always talk about how following up a really great album with a totally experimental double album is, is always a great Mm -hmm. idea, but you know, Radiohead didn't exactly do a double album. I guess if you thought about it, well, yeah, two, two, 10 inches. Yeah. (laughs) That's a double. (laughs) I guess. Okay. All right. Well then I guess your theory still applies. (laughs) (laughs) Does the, uh, Dan, does the, does motion picture soundtrack have all the silence on the vinyl? I don't know if you own it. I actually don't own it. So I don't know. I, I, I've Uh, always waited for, uh, the, um, the, the, the box set, the, the, those capital reissues, uh, have a lot of problems with like the, the sound and the pressing and everything. So I've never bought uh, them. Um, and always waited for the box set, no box set. I actually do own the vinyl. Oh, um, do you? Yep. And uh, it does have, if I remember correctly, it, it does have the, um, interesting. The silence interesting. That's that's why they had to spread it out because the silence was so important, and now <laughs> it's gone. So it was for nothing. Um, yeah. So I wanted to, you know, that that's one thing that came to mind when I was trying to think about what what is the influence or the impact that this album had on music, which um, you know Andy asked us specifically about. You know, other than that, I wonder what thoughts you guys have because it's it's a little 
it's a little conflicting because I feel like to me, the electronic, you know, explosion of warp records and everything was in the nineties. And I guess it's important to remember that that was like pretty underground shit probably at that time. It wasn't like as well known as it is now. And it was genuinely shocking for a rock band to do electronic music. Um, but I don't really, I can't really think of like a ton of people making electronic, like making their own kid A's after this, you know, like what, where do you see its influence? I mean, you know, like what was it or, you know, around 2011 or, or 2010 or something like, uh, I feel like a lot of stuff became, you know, like a rock band, but with like synthesizers and, and stuff, but it, it all feels like much, uh, you know, dancier than, uh, than mm-hmm. kid a is, is of course. Um, so I, you know, part of me wants to point to like that as, uh, as, as something, but, but I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe that's a, a, you know, kind of a look back to the eighties more than it is, uh, anything right, to right. do with, with Radiohead. So, I mean, you may be correct, but I, I, I think one thing is that it like probably really opened the door to warp for a lot of people, you know? So, so yeah. maybe it didn't really, uh, have like such a huge effect in electronic music, but, uh, or I mean in, in rock music, but, but maybe it had more in, you know, electronic, like just, just opening people up to it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't remember exactly, but I, I'm pretty sure, you know, I heard Aphex Twin because I read that, you know, like Kid A was yeah. so heavily, um, you know, influenced by him or, and stuff yeah, and, sure. and whatnot. So I, I, I would be shocked if that's not how I heard Aphex Twin the first time, you know? Yeah. I mean, what, what do you make of the impact, Darren? I mean, maybe it's just a matter of like the spirit of Kid A, which is like the adventurousness and, and all of that. Or, or what do you see it as? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's probably true. You know, I, I remember during, I believe it was like the summer of 2010 when um, Kanye West was doing all of those, you know, Friday tracks, right? In the, um, yeah. the in the lead up to my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, I remember that that was right when I started to pay attention to Kanye West. There was some interview somewhere, whatever he had. He was talking about his influences at the time when he was in the studio and everything. And he talked about Tom York kind of at great length Mm -hmm. about how, you know, he just wanted to make music like Tom York. He didn't necessarily name drop kid a, I don't really remember, but I sort of always thought that's what he was talking about. I always thought he was alluding to an album like kid a. And, you know, when you listen to like man, beautiful dark twisted fantasy and the sort of change, that it has on had on his music i feel like it's fair to think that something like either you know maybe in rainbows or kid a something like that had a a major impact on kind of what he was thinking when he went into that out and into making that album because he also talked about influences like other artists you know painters things like that and for him to also use like tom york in that same vein to me speaks to what you just mentioned uh gabe like the spirit of what they did with an album like kid a yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I think, you know, it's also worth mentioning, like I uh, just did a second ago, but the fact that I think Kid A is so tied up with Pitchfork, which is like, you know, basically those those rock critics that I was describing, like Rolling Stone and Spin and stuff, like that's the previous generation. Mm-hmm. And they were the ones that were a little butthurt about Kid A. And then this little website pitchfork comes out with this like iconic review that everybody knows, you know, like the, I've, I had never seen a shooting star before. It's like the most batshit crazy review I've ever written. Um, <laughs> it's like unintentionally funny, but also iconic. Um, 
they give it a perfect 10. They basically declare it like this should be what we all aspire to from now on. And then I feel like just on the, you know, obviously it's not just that review, but it's like on the strength of reviews like that and their undying love for Radiohead, Pitchfork ascends. They completely replace all those rock critics of the 90s and become like the dominant, you know, uh, music critic source for pretty much the next 20 years. Um, it's just interesting, like to think like what what did they hear in Kid A that made it like this sets the bar. This is what everybody should be aspiring to. I mean, it's like the will to be different, the will to explore. I, I, you know, it, it's hard to really put your finger on it. I think. Yeah, 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 I agree. Well, any closing thoughts on Kid A? I think we've determined it's a pretty good record. <laughs> yeah it's well worth I will the say that I, you give it a shot yeah you should if you've never heard it give it a try <laughs> i will say that I, I very much enjoyed revisiting it i was like i hadn't listened to it in quite a while and i was like, same damn this is a great album yeah it had, it had been I, cu- I couldn't even remember the last time i had it, usually when i you know if i feel like a radiohead mood i, I i'm a in rainbows kind of man um nowadays mm. and uh yeah i hadn't listened to this in at least a couple of years i think had it been Where, a while for you, Darren? Dan, Dan I, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll answer that in a second, but I, I was going to ask Dan, I think you mentioned that it's not your favorite Radiohead record. Where does it sit amongst the others? Uh, today, it, it's probably it's probably third. I, I think I would say In Rainbows is, is number one. I, I, would, I would probably uh, put OK Computer at, at number two and, and then Kid A. Hmm. I feel like I've been a pretty consistent, like, okay, computer has always been my shit my whole life. And then sometimes, like, Kid A would reach, like, tied, but then I'm I'm just an okay computer guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that between okay computer in Rainbows and Kid A, it, it could vary. Um, I would probably put, I would, oh my God, I don't know if I can commit to anything. On, <laughs> this is a recording here. I don't know if I can commit. Um... I I would probably say I would probably say Kid A is number one, um, mm-hmm. with uh, In Rainbows after that, and then OK Computer. I mean, honestly, they're all like they're tens to me. So, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed coming back to this. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed coming back to this record. You know, uh, I think when we started doing these podcasts, you know, I I think it's you always wonder like when are we ever going to talk about some of these records that we obsessed over for so long and like can we find a reason to do it you know what i mean um yeah it's it's fun to to listen to something that you just that had such like a huge impact um and and then to come back to it so so far afterwards and and talk about it so it's it's just it's a really special record and you know for goodness sakes if you haven't listened to it why are you listening to this podcast? At this point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I highly true. doubt. I highly doubt they made it this far, but, um, all right. Uh, you want to get a, get to just a couple real quick listener emails? Yeah, sure. Okay. So after our last episode on the best autumn albums of all time, uh, listener, Andy, who I mentioned at the top, he sent us his own list. I wanted to run it by you guys at number i'll do it i'll do it backwards number five he put real estate days number four van morrison astro weeks number three american football american football number two rem automatic for the people and number one yola tango and then nothing turned itself inside out um i will say that i was very tempted to put uh yola tango's there's a riot going on which um is god what was it 2018 and i feel like 
nobody really likes it that much, but I think it's like a full-blown masterpiece. But I just knew that you guys probably never heard it, and it would not be a very interesting conversation. But they they make some pretty autumnal music. What, what, any thoughts jump out of you guys looking at this list? Yeah, I'm not a huge Yola Tango fan. I, I'm honestly not familiar enough with, with that record to, to speak too much on it. I did think about American football when I was making my list. Uh, uh, I, I think we sort of mentioned them on that episode i can't remember uh, yeah i think we did yeah i i, I like them i just I sort of didn't feel like listening to them for two weeks um real estate though that you know that that's one i i didn't think of but um but definitely fits you know that that that's a good record right there you know my my girlfriend also strongly recommended real estate when i was making my list and i don't know if it's something wrong with me but real estate to me is like prime summer music like all i think about is i'm floating in a pool i got like a miller light you know in a koozie <laughs> and I'm just i mean like, i don't know how much it. i can trust you when you had like three winter albums yeah on, i know oh list. that's something we should that, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up because on twitter people reminded us i didn't have the uh the uh track listing open that we we only caught uh like two of your your winter ones <laughs> your animal collective record also had a winter song so three out of five of your albums gabe had a song that specifically mentioned the word winter in the title yeah, of the track yeah. so you know, let's let's maybe not take your your uh, your thoughts too, too too strongly here they're uh they're you know you, you start thinking about winter when it's fall what can i say you just you start planning you start thinking about it sometimes it comes up that's that's how it goes um any thoughts about this list darren uh i mean not really i like the van morrison pick you know i i think that would um could be fitting a little spring for, for me yeah 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 i mean i could i think it could work though it's a little too pretty and optimistic um okay so another listener also named andy who is definitely not dan's wife <laughs> sent us her list also and i'll and i'll say that um she completely broke the rules first off and gave us six albums uh, oh she for did her top five <laughs> so deducting points right there but at number six she put Coco Rosie Gray Oceans. Number five, Devandra Banhart, Smoky Rolls Down Thunder Canyon. Number four, SZA Control. Number three, James Blake, Color and Anything. Two, Fleet Foxes Self Titled. Number one, Paul Som- Simon Songbook. We did talk about uh, Paul Simon um, and even mentioned that th- that was her number one uh, on the episode. Um, you know, I did want to mention, I think Fleet Foxes is a great pick. I don't think we even talked about them. Um, I I definitely definitely feel like they are like kind of like you know core autumnal music and it's really funny that they just like it was like what right after our episode yeah, yeah it was like a, a day or two later yeah they released an album on the autumn like equinox like at nine thirty one a.m. so that it would be they wanted to make the definitive fall album um, I guess I think it's I think it's kind of fun but not as good as some of their previous work but anything else jump out of you guys looking at uh, Andy's list here. Uh, well, I hate that Coco Rosie album more than anything. I, I've, <laughs> I've had never to listen. heard it. Uh, yeah, keep keep it that way. It's awful. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, SZA. I I I I don't know how autumnal that is. Um, I I I hate Fleet Foxes. Really, I, I mean, this is my <laughs> wow. this is my wife. But You're I, I don't really like. Here. Yeah, I don't really like any of these uh, albums except Paul Simon. Uh, Devandra Banhart is okay. Uh, I like him for his. Uh, swan's connection um 
and that that's mm. about it <laughs> what is what what is the swans connection uh like jira uh like discovered him and he his first oh. couple of records are on young god and stuff i didn't know that that's interesting um what about you darren anything jump out you're going to be equally as harsh as uh as dan here not at all i think it's a perfect <laughs> list andy uh <laughs> great s- selections here no i uh yeah i mean i'm i'm only like familiar with a few of these albums. i mean we, we talked about SZA, i think on the previous podcast right we did yeah um i am a little surprised yeah. by that one being on the list i will i will admit she that. just likes that record <laughs> I just wanted it out there. Nice. It's good for any season. Any season. I think on our previous podcast, you know, we talked about uh, that James Blake album also. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, and we talked we about uh, we did uh, REM's "Automatic for the People" from the other Andy's list as well. Oh yeah, yeah, we did. Damn, easy, we're a tumble as hell. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough for uh, this episode. What do you think? We'd love to read your thoughts on the air. Email us, popshieldpod at gmail.com. Next episode in a month. Uh, Not sure. Probably something uh, Darren would never let us do uh, since he'll be (laughs) out for uh, a a few episodes. Uh, Don't forget, though, if if you're missing Gabe and I's voice, Gonkcast, an Autecker podcast. Uh, We're talking about Autecker. The first episode's up did Incunabula, Cavity Job, and Lego Feet. And uh, in, next week, we'll have uh, Amber and the Anti-EP. So check that out if you're an Autecker fan. Uh, if you like this show, Pop Shield, uh, help us out by subscribing. Leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Stay connected. Twitter, uh, Instagram, all that junk, at Pop Shield Pod. And we'll see you next time. See ya. So long. Man.